Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by the Annie Selkie Companies, who sell everything from rugs and bedding to indoor and outdoor furniture. And even though it's summer, it was actually talking to Annie about snow that got our attention. More on that later in the episode, and use code YHL15 to save 15% off your next purchase at annieselkie.com slash YHL. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're sharing how we saved $1,500 on some online purchases. We're outlining how we convince each other when to buy something for our house and when not to. And I nearly ruined the world with a craft project. Hello, everyone. It's that time again. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. We have a lot of money stuff. You guys, I'm not exaggerating. I saved over $900 in 15 minutes of phone calls. And I saved us $600 in over four hours of phone calls. (laughs) So take that, Sherry. (laughs) So we are going to regale you with the stories of how those came together. Mine is with Wayfair. And the thing that I didn't realize about Wayfair for many years, and I've been ordering from them for a long time. We're especially ordering a lot right now for the the beach beach house. house. But what I didn't realize is that it's worth calling them when you have a lot of stuff in your cart. So the way I used to shop on Wayfair is add to cart, add to cart, add to cart. Sometimes I'd go over to Joss and Main, which is their sale site that's a sister site, and I'd look for the similar item or the same item for cheaper because oftentimes they have even better deals. So if I fell in love with, I don't know, a side table, I'd look on Joss and Main, and many times it's not there, but sometimes you get lucky and the same item is there or a similar one is. It takes a little bit of hunting. Exactly. So for the beach house, I was inspired to call the 800 number at the bottom of the screen because I had so many things in my cart. Well, no. Remember, the reason we called them the first time was because we were ordering some tile that said it was non-returnable. Oh, you're right. You made me call them. So I was well, thinking... Well, don't sound... I'm not like... You inspired wasn't me. your arm. You inspired me to call them. So John didn't want to get a certain tile because it said not returnable. And I said, what if it comes all broken? Right, exactly. I was like, I assume there is an asterisk to non-returnable that's like, if it comes broken, which, side note, a couple of them did. So I said, just call them to make sure that's what the policy means. Right. It was like dotting our I's, crossing our T's to get on record that we had asked. But if it comes broken, you will take it back and give us unbroken tile. And they said, of course, I'll even put a note on your account that this can be returned if there's anything wrong with the product when it arrives. So then I said to him, there's so much in my cart. I'm ordering thousands of dollars, I mean, over $2,000 worth of stuff in the cart. This is vanities, it's faucets, it's showers, it's light fixtures, it's so many things that you need to get for every single room of your house. And so I thought, if I'm ordering all this stuff, I believe I should be able to call them and say, I've got a ton of stuff in my cart, like much more than the average sale. Is there a coupon code? Even just for 10% off, it would save me tons. And he was so nice. He clicked some keys. I waited. I waited. Remember my tip when you're negotiating is to stay silent. Don't say, I mean, if you don't have one, it's fine. Just ask the question and politely wait. Make him sweat. <laughs> so he's typing. He's typing. He goes, oh, you got lucky. And he said, I can save you $400 off this $2,000 order. He didn't make it clear to me if he was applying an internal coupon code. He did say every time you order big amounts, it's great to call. And even on small amounts, it's great to call. He gave me his name and his extension. He was so nice. And so I thought... If that's the only time I save on the beach house, I can rejoice because 400 bucks is like, it's a free dishwasher. It's 20% off. Exactly. But then fast forward a few weeks later, I have like $1,200 worth of stuff in my cart. There's more tile, bath fixtures, 
So I call the guy because I have his extension and he's not there. And I'm like, dang it. He was really helpful. But a girl answered and she was so nice. I said, the last time I talked to this guy, he helped me save some money. I have a lot in my cart. Just wondered what you could do for me. And she said, okay, well, what I can do is I can cross-reference things that are on Joss and Maine and they often go by different names. So if you're searching like white vanity Carrera top on Joss and Maine, it might go by a completely different name, cobblestone vanity. And I internally can search the skew and match them up. So I didn't have much hope that it would save me as much as the other guy, but she ended up saving me $400 off $1,200. That's 33%. It was amazing. John was actually outside in the car with the kids waiting to leave. And these phone calls are so fast. I said, I know I'll be off the phone in five minutes and I know it will be worth it. So he's loading them in the car, starting the car, pulling out of the driveway, getting the mail. And I'm running down the driveway screaming, $400 more! Like, I could not believe it, especially with a smaller amount in my cart because it was, like you said, a higher percentage off. But what she had done is three of the light fixtures she found on Jocelyn Main for half price. They were 50% off. And she also found one of the fans, I think, and a sconce or something that we were getting on Jocelyn Main. She even said, whoa, that is a really big discount. So it seemed like it might not always happen that way. In fact, I had another order where nothing was on Jocelyn Maine, and the girl couldn't help me. She said, I can put you in touch with a senior person. And when I talked to the senior person, she gave me a 10% off code. But overall, I saved $900, and I am not joking. It was tops 15 minutes, five minutes per call. It was so fast. When I hung up, I thought, how are you able to save that much money in a five-minute period? Like, it boggled my mind. It was probably all the threats and dirty language you were using with him. <laughs> and be really nice, guys. I don't call and say, like, I need a discount. I'm, I'm one is- of your best customers. Right. You don't... You flies with honey, guys. Flies with honey. Now, there's got to be some people out there wondering, like, was this a thing where people saw your name and somehow connected that you had a no. blog or website? Not at all. And in fact, I told a friend of mine that I did this and she tried the same method and she saved money. She only had like $300 worth of stuff and she saved maybe 20%, 15% off. So it's one of those things where it's definitely worth calling. And actually, guys, now I've got it in my brain that I'm going to always call when I order. So even if I'm getting an order from Pottery Barn or West Elm or anything, even if there's already a sale and already a coupon code, Anthropology, if I'm buying something for 30 bucks with a coupon code, I might give them a call and just say, is there any free shipping promotion or anything like that? And it might save money. I just feel like it doesn't hurt. And they're usually pretty fast to get on the phone with you. Well, I had the opposite experience. Well, we had the opposite experience. I was there. This was a tag team. (laughs) Um, We have purchased our kitchen for the beach house. It's not ready to be installed yet. Obviously, we're still waiting on walls. Little details, little details. But we went ahead and bought it because we are doing an Ikea kitchen for the beach house. And back in April, Ikea was doing their semi-annual kitchen sale. I think they do it twice a year, maybe. I thought it was annual. Oh, is it only annual? There was something about it that we couldn't... Well, either way, if it was in the fall, we couldn't wait that long. It'd be too late. So either way, it was urgent if we wanted the sale for us to act within the next like 24 hours. Yeah, we found out very late that it was coming up. And so we kind of scrambled to get our ducks in a row and make sure we knew exactly what we wanted. And we built it all on their online kitchen planner and called them to see if we could place the order on the phone because here's the curveball. This was all right before we left for spring break. So it was like the Friday before and we did not have time to drive to the closest Ikea, which is two hours north of us in the opposite direction of spring break. Exactly. But I think they do honor every sale on the phone too. So it's another example of like, just call a person up. They can help you. Yeah, I think typically they like you to come into store and actually sit with the person and go through the plan to make sure you've got everything you need. But we've done Ikea cabinetry a couple times before, like for our laundry room and for our bonus room. So we were more confident doing it over the phone. 
But we called on, I think, the second to last day before the sale ended and said, hey, can we put this order in? And they were slammed. So I think we sat on the phone for maybe 60 minutes that first time. I have screenshots of like, I took pictures of my phone when we hung up and it would say like 67 minutes, 96 minutes. And that was just to get through to someone to sort of lock in our plan so that we could get the sale. But it was not actually officially checking out. They were too slammed to actually process the order and double check it and go through. So they took our information and said, we will call you back within 48 hours. Right. They said, we promise we'll give you the sale price because we're too busy to help you now. We'll just call you back when things slow down. So 48 hours later, we're in Florida, spring break. We haven't heard anything. And Sherry and I are getting nervous because we're like, gosh, you know, what if they only extended it for 48 hours? And if we don't talk to someone, we'll lose this whole sale. And we've done all this work so far. We've spent an hour on the phone. Well, it takes another hour on the phone to finally get through to someone again to find out that they are still backed up and they will still be giving us a call once they get to our name on the list. So I think what we gave it a few more days, like maybe the end of spring break. Again, we're kind of getting anxious that we're about to lose this sale. And it takes another phone call to finally get someone. We wait a long time to get to an actual kitchen planner and then talk to like two different people to actually lock in the order. They double checked everything with us on the phone. It took a manager to actually get the sale to go through. So I think that phone call was nearly two hours before we finally were able to like give our credit card information and check out with this thing. Right. But we saved. We saved $600. We barely got above the $3,000 limit, which was to get... 20%, 20%, not 15%. We like, right, we like intentionally put more to I get- I added like a trash can. Right, because <laughs> if you get into that bracket, you save much more than the trash can. So you're like, that's worth it. And so fast forward to now, the kitchen has been delivered to our house finally. We have it here. It's taking up a lot of room. Yep. And I am more eager than ever to actually get the thing installed. But again, walls first. Yep, we've got another check-in this weekend to see how everything's going. And hopefully pretty soon the house will be secure enough that we could put stuff in it and get it out of our house here because it's like we're living with vanities, light fixtures, plumbing stuff, and now a full Ikea kitchen like yep. in the way of us. <laughs> so we'll put some links and pictures to some of the stuff that we ordered in the show notes because I'm sure you guys are curious what some of the stuff we were spending and saving all this money on was. So that will all be at younghouselove.com slash podcast. And when the room starts to come together more, of course, we're going to blog all well, about it duh. and share all the after pictures. Duh, Sherry. Speaking of the blog, do you guys know that if you go there once or twice a week, you see all the new posts? Because we've been learning if you just rely on social media like Instagram or Facebook alerts from us, because you know, we always Instagram and Facebook new post, but we've been hearing lately that fewer people have been seeing those. So if one in four people sees it and is prompted to go to the blog, there's a chance you're the three in four that doesn't. So if you just go to younghouselove.com slash blog, the top post will always be at the top of that page. So you literally can go twice a week. It could take you two seconds because lately we've been getting so many comments that are like, what? Where'd that rug in your bedroom come from? And where's the frame wall? And we're like, ah, we did a big post about that. We had someone say, you have wood in your foyer now? And I was like, oh my gosh, we did all these posts about that. Like even a full hardwood floor. It's the dang algorithm. It is the algorithm. So anyway, that's a hack. If you don't want to miss stuff, just go to younghouselove.com slash blog. You can also subscribe in your feed reader or by email. There's even a box in our sidebar that says email subscription. And then you will get them in your inbox. But before we go any further, I'm going to bring back an old favorite of a segment that we like to call, well, that's embarrassing. 
this is an oldie but a goodie that John kept saying, you should talk about this on That's Embarrassing for the podcast. I Um, wanted to out you on the podcast. So I was painting a globe. You know this thing everybody did? It was like a DIY project because someone like Anthropology or someone on Etsy was selling these beautiful hand-painted globes. And I said to myself, self, you could probably get something that looks like that. Not as beautiful and ornate, but something cute. So many years ago for our son's room, I had an old globe. It was like yellowed and flaked off in some areas. And I thought, I'll just paint it with acrylic paint. And I basically just painted teal blue everywhere where that was water and then white on the continents, which is really easy because you're basically tracing with paint over the shapes. Use a little small brush so you can get some detail so everything doesn't look like really rounded. So once it was all painted, I just sat it down to dry and I'm doing other things. And then I finally go back when it's cured with a gold paint pen and it's time to script on all the continents. So, you know, I'm going to write North America, South America, Africa, all these places. And I'm doing a little sample script to see how long the word's going to be so I can make sure that it fits on the globe in the right spot. And I think I'm all ready. And I start my lettering. And then Sherry's kryptonite appears. A it's a phone, phone call. call. <laughs> the phone rings and it's her friend. So I'm all, oh, I can write and talk at the same time. I'm good at this. Side note, I'm not. I will often write when I'm talking, like the word I'm saying, I will write when I'm writing a note. Were you guys talking about Africa? No, I was talking about how I'm doing the globe. I'm saying like, it's really fun. I'm writing all the continents. Like now I'm doing Africa and I'm chatting and chatting. I wrote Africa and South America. <laughs> and I stopped and I said, I have to text you this picture. It was so embarrassing and stupid, but I just was not paying attention because I was talking and my brain was turned off. To your credit, Africa and South America are probably the most similar I don't know. It's very clearly connected to North America where I was doing it. And I it just was an, an oopsie. And so I finished lettering the rest of the globe. I had to repaint that continent in white, let it dry, and then fix it. But it actually, it was a very cute and fun project. It was nothing as good as the beautifully ornate ones. Well, I think it's cute because it looks painted. Like you kind of see the texture of the paint and the brush strokes and stuff. So it looks very like homemade in a nice way, not in a like bootleg way. (laughs) Yeah, they both seem to really like it. It's more bright and colorful than the yellowed like sort of sienna version that was under it before. We do have photo evidence of the Africa mistake. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes. I was like, John, I don't know if I should own up to this. It's so embarrassing. But he's like, you were on the phone. We all write the wrong words when we're on the phone. So I know what Africa looks like. I just was not fully paying attention. Well, and now I have a quiz for you. And it's a geography quiz. Perfect. So I'll embarrass myself again. (laughs) It's not a geography quiz. So this part of the show we call what's not, because I'm going to give Sherry a list of things in a certain category. Most are real, but one is fake. So she just has to tell me what's real and what's not. And this week's topic comes from homes.com. They did an interesting list of 13 essential things to look for when viewing a house, like if you're going to a house to buy it. And they were surprising to me because I thought they were going to be like, does the floor plan work for you? Is it in a good school district? You know, right. sort of those... things you actually look for when you shop for a house. Theirs was more about to double check that the house is well maintained. So these are five of the 13 things, except for one, which is a faker. When viewing a house to buy, you should one, check to see is the lawn mowed. I would not buy a house because the lawn wasn't mowed. Number two, are any large appliances old? I mean, that's definitely something that will cost you more money than mowing the lawn. Number three, are any door frames tilted? 
Now I'm like really conflicted because I'm thinking maybe if appliances are old, it encourages you that they're really good at maintaining things and taking care of things. But if they don't mow the lawn, they don't maintain it or take care of it. So perhaps an old appliance is a good sign that they maintain things well. And then what did you just say? The tilted door frames has nothing to do with maintaining things because it just means it's an old house, right? But it could obviously indicate expensive things you need to fix foundation wise. I still have two more. Oh my gosh. Okay. Number four, is the house messy? Is the house messy? I mean, that again goes to maintenance. And number five, are there lots of houses for sale on the street? So if there's lots of houses for sale on the street, it means why is everyone moving out? Like it's something, I don't know, happening. Like it's a really noisy neighborhood or there's a bad smell all the time. Like why is there a mass exodus? I really have no idea. I'm going to say old appliances is, is a plant because they say that old appliances actually proves they're good at maintaining things. You are incorrect. Ah, did you see my reasoning though? I did, and it did make sense. I feel like I kind of messed you up by my paraphrasing because their list technically said, is there rust on any of the large appliances? Oh, this is just sabotage. <laughs> Sorry. So they Sabotage. Rust, of course, is deferred maintenance. Recount. <laughs> Do you want to vote again? Okay, then let me second guess. Other houses on the street. Uh, also incorrect. Oh, door frames? No, the one I made up was the lawn mode. Oh. Because they did say a lot of these things like if there's rust on the appliances, if the house is messy, they're all indicators that the previous homeowners probably did not care for the house. Right. As well as they should have. And so there might be other larger things. You know, what's funny about this. We look for houses that are messy. We love when the yard looks a mess, like there's there's no landscaping. Well, and so that's why I added the fake one about the lawn mode, because I think, yes, they probably could have included in this list because it is an indicator about lack of care for a property. But I figured, you know, if someone isn't mowing their lawn or maintaining the outside, that may not affect the actual interior structure as much. Right. So it is probably less important that it has a mowed lawn. And also, for instance, like there's a house for sale near us where the people have already moved out. And so frequently their lawn is a little bit long because... They just are living in a different city now, so they don't get it mowed as often. So I don't think that's necessarily an indicator that it's a bad house. It's a beautiful house. And you know what I would say? If you're looking for a turnkey house, which is an expression that means you put the key in the lock and the house is done, that list is good. But if you're looking for a fixer-upper, oftentimes that list is exactly what you're looking for. Well, I think that list is really helpful, especially for like a first-time home buyer. I think back to when we bought our first house and you're walking around and yes, it is a fixer-upper, but you're trying to sort through like, what are easily fixable things and what are potential money pits? Like, at least in my early homeowner experience, I wasn't good at detecting these things. And so this list has a good idea. Like if you see tilted door frames, that might mean there's a foundation issue. Yeah. Did it say bad windows or bad roof? Because to me, those are my yeah. top two things. A roof is really expensive and windows are really expensive. So going into it knowing that you have the budget for those or not is really helpful knowledge. Yeah, it said the roof. It also said like check to see if any window sills look rotted because mm -hmm. that could be moisture issues around the windows. So I thought they were really helpful things to just check on your first pass at a house. I don't think anything should be in place of having a professional inspector come in and actually checking. Totally. But that's a, you know, that's a second step once you put in a contract and you're actually forking over money to have an inspector come in. So these are things you can do yourself to maybe quickly write off a property that is uh, too much work. Yeah. Just don't write it off because the person hasn't mowed the lawn. Because you know what? I probably should mow our lawn. Exactly. Right now. People are judging you. Got some deferred maintenance to get to. <laughs> Well, I'll put a link to this list. It's actually an infographic from homes.com on our show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast. So you guys can check out all 13 tips. And now since we've been talking a lot about buying and saving money this episode, we figured 
We should dig up this topic that we get asked a lot about, so much so that we actually addressed it in our second book, Lovable Livable Home, which I'm sure you all have and have devoured and read page to page every night. (laughs) So it's this topic of when you are in a relationship and you're making house decisions together, how one party might use certain strategies to talk the other party into a purchase. Usually in this case, Sherry talking me into something. Right. I fall hard and fast and I'm always trying to convince John to see it from my perspective. And then also the opposite of that, usually my perspective, how to talk someone out of a purchase they want to make. So I'm going to let Sherry dive in first. Yeah. So if you're the person who's trying to talk someone into a purchase, you can see a few bullets in the book, but I wanted to give some specific examples and kind of talk it through with you guys right here. Because what I do or my approach to this has always been to... Prove that you have a clear intention for where this item will go, why you think it's the best item of its kind, why you think the price warrants it or it shows value for that cost, and just generally that you've deeply thought about the purchase. I think that's when I have success when I say, I want this item and I think it would look good if we used it here and this price is great because it's competitively priced because I went on three different websites and looked at similar things that were $200 more. I have to sort of demonstrate that I've thought it through. Yeah, basically it's proving that you know your stuff and this is not an impulse purchase. That's the most convincing thing for me, the person who might be resistant. And guys, this doesn't always work. Like sometimes I say, I want this item and I want to put it here. And John will say like, no, we should save the money for the beach house. And I'll be like, fine, you're right. But Don't give away my strategies yet. But in this case, the item we're going to talk about is the big inlay mirror in our foyer. It's beautiful and it's something I looked at on Serena and Lily for years. I pined after it. It was $800. It's huge. I mean, it's almost my height. So I waited and waited. And then there was this big sale. And it went down to $4.99, but then on top of it was a 20% off code you could apply. So I got it down to half of $800, which is still $400. And so that was the point I brought it to John. I said, listen, this has always been $800. I've never seen it go below $500. Now it's at $400. The mirrors that are comparable at Home Goods and on other sites are like $300, but they're not inlay and they're not curved. So it was essentially like, is it worth the extra hundred or so dollars than what you'd ordinarily pay for a basic mirror? for this beautiful one. And I measured it off on the wall. I think I even taped the outline to show how it would sit above the table, wouldn't interfere with the ceiling or bash into the molding, but would fit nicely in the space. And then I just kind of stared at John and waited because I want him to be in. I don't want to spend $400 and he's begrudging that. That's still a lot of money. You're not trying to trick me into the purchase, but I had appreciated the rationale that you had for it. And when you had shared it with me and told me the sale was going on, like you had a compelling list of arguments that I couldn't deny made it a smart idea. If it was something you really loved and this was the best opportunity price-wise to get it and it fit the space just fine, I think my best argument against it was that we already had a mirror. So like, why spend money towards just getting another mirror? But even then you were like, well, the mirror we had had a small mirror face. Like it was a round mirror with a really large frame. And this one had a a huge mirror. So it would accomplish more of the purpose for having a mirror there in the first place, which was to reflect light from the front door. Right. And it makes a real statement in the foyer. So I just said, I don't know that that round mirror is perfect for there. It worked. It was a holdover from our last house and it could really be hung anywhere else. So it's not like we don't have a place for that to go if we replace it. So ding, ding, ding. Sherry won that round. And what happened when it arrived? Do you know? No. It never was for sale again. 
Oh. That was the lowest it ever was going to go, and then it was gone. It's they out of stock. sold it out, and it has not come back. That was like a year ago. It's still not back. I search it all the time because I love it, and I want to link to it for people who want it. It just doesn't exist anymore. And my other tip for anyone trying to convince someone of a purchase, again, you're not strong-arming them or bullying them. You want them to hear your point and really be into this concept that you're bringing to the table. You just want to bring them to your side. Right. You want to just like sort of point things out to them, help them see them your way. So the other way to do that is to say, it's on me if this doesn't work. An example would be, if I want to rearrange all the furniture and order that new chair and it comes and it's a bad proportion, it looks terrible, I will be the one to return the chair and I will rearrange the furniture myself. You know, like be willing to get your hands dirty. There have been times where I've really wanted something off Craigslist. John has said, I really don't want to move it. And I've negotiated with the person like, is there someone who can help me get it in the car so I can do it all on my own? Because he just didn't want to do the lifting in that case. It certainly uh, greases my wheels when I don't have to sweat as much. (laughs) Exactly. And then, you know, there are things that he's so excited. He's thrilled to hop in the car and go help. So I think it's really conducive to make sure the things in the house make you both happy. If I had bought that mirror and John always felt it had been too expensive and then we had some annoying thing come up like we needed to fix the plumbing in the bathroom and he felt like we spent that money unwisely it probably would have not been a I great would resent purchase. you exactly it would have been a bad choice I would have resented the mirror at least you would have smashed it when I wasn't looking and I would have cried no for it's days. too expensive to smash yeah don't touch it I would please. have pawned it off somewhere <laughs> well Let's get to the real stuff now. How to talk someone out of a purchase. Yeah. If you are often in my position as the um, crotchety one who wants to talk people out of buying things because you are generally resistant to change. Yep. Curmudgeony John. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm fulfilling my stereotype here. There are some tricks I use sometimes to, I would say, kind of uncover or identify an impulse purchase. Because again, I'm happy when we're making purchases that make our house better and make Sherry happy and make all of us happy here. But at the same time, I don't want to be just like buying every little pretty thing that we happen to pick up in the store because um, we don't have the money for that. Yeah. Well, it's a really quick way to spend a lot without realizing it. But I've learned to say like, where exactly in the house is that going to go? Yes. And that's my general tip is if you're in this position is to ask questions, show interest and know your stuff. Like, don't shut it down right away and be like, no, we don't need any more home decorating stuff. Yeah, I find when I'm just like, no, I don't think we need that or I don't want to spend the money. That's not very helpful. I just think there's ways to grease the wheels in a nice way. And there's ways to like get someone mad at you and you might get the desired result, but it's not exactly a harmonious interaction. Right. That's why I think you need to use some specifics, whether it's asking specific questions like, where will this go? Is that the best price? Do you think there's a sale coming up? Or show specific interest or knowledge about the purchase. Like, I don't think that will fit in the space because if you look at the floor plan, there's not room. Or don't we already have one of those in the attic? I think actually knowing your stuff, and yes, this takes like some long-term involvement over years to be familiar with the decorating and design of your house and the items that you own. Right. But I think you are really good at that, that I'll pick up a tray and be like, trays are great. You can use trays to corral lots of things. And you'll be like, we have two trays in the attic and trays everywhere in use already. So where is this tray going to go? Yes. And by you calling me on the, we already have lots of trays, I'm immediately like, oh, he's right. And I'm not angry. I'm like, you're right. We do. Where would it go? And I kind of check myself. So again, it does take a little bit of like involvement in your house, which obviously we both enjoy doing this together. So that's usually not a problem for me, but sometimes it is. And it doesn't help me when I'm trying to discuss this argument not to know my stuff. 
But I do think one thing that most couples would agree that they're both into is spending their money in the right ways. And so I think on each side of this, these tips will help you just figure out the best places to put your money. An example would be if I'm walking around and I'm obsessed with the pillow and I'm petting it, I'm saying, John, look how pretty it is. This leads me to my last tip, Sherry. (laughs) It's distraction. Is that if someone wants to impulse buy something or even a large scale purchase that is less impulsy, distract them with something that you both agree is worth spending your money on. Like right now, a lot of the things we talk about is in comparison to the beach house. Like, should we buy this little thing or should we save that up so that we can make sure the beach house gets the funds it, it needs? So like I'm distracting Sherry with the bigger picture thing. It may be a vacation for some people or even just a larger home purchase. Like don't spend your money on the little tchotchkes when you know you're trying to save up for a new couch. And sometimes our roles are reversed too. I mean, there's often times when I'm trying to convince you of something and you're talking me out of it or I'm trying to talk you into it. And yeah, we're, you're not always the I'm curmudgeon. I'm not always the curmudgeon, just <laughs> mostly the curmudgeon. <laughs> well, again, there's some more tips in our second book. It's called Lovable Livable Home. Again, if you haven't purchased it yet, you'd like to see more of these. I think it's on page 56 and 57. And there's a cute little picture of burger in there too. Yeah, we worked in a lot of burgers in book one and book two. And if you're not familiar with the mirror that Sherry was talking about a few minutes ago, we'll put a picture of that in the show notes too at younghouselove.com slash podcast. And I'll link to the most similar ones I can find because every time someone sees the mirror, it breaks their heart a little that it's not available. But there are some really decent comparable ones, different sizes, a little bit different colors, but they have that inlay design that I love. I'll also link to the thousands of items that I've talked Sherry out of over the years. (laughs) Yeah, it would take you three weeks. <laughs> It'll just be a blanket link to the Target website. <laughs> Seriously, every time we go into Target, John uses these tricks on me all the time, guys. Well, and actually, I've got something that we talked one another into <laughs> for my We're Digging, actually. But first, we've got to take a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Annie Selkie Companies, who many of you know from their Pinecone Hill bedding and their Dash and Albert rugs. Yeah, and their indoor-outdoor rugs, also known as polypropylene rugs, are super popular for high traffic spaces and don't feel plasticky like some outdoor rugs can. But as Annie told us, that doesn't mean they can't stand up to the elements. So our polypropylene rugs, they're amazing. And I remember we had nine puppies and they ate on those rugs. They peed, they put, they did, I mean, it was just, trust me, every bodily function occurred on those rugs. And so we would switch them out, hose them down, and then there was one left outside to dry and then it snowed and it didn't stop snowing for, you know, four months. And when the snow melted, the rug appeared and it looked brand new. It was like cryogenically frozen and didn't age. (laughs) But it was remarkable. I was shocked. It's like, wow, this looks just like the day it came out of its wrapper. You can shop all of Dash and Albert's texture-rich and colorful rugs that start at just $46. From wool and sisal to cotton, polypropylene, and more at annieselkie.com YHL. And the code YHL15 will save you 15% off your next Annie Selkie order. Again, that's A-N-N-I-E-S-E-L-K-E dot com slash YHL. And the code is YHL15. Ready to jam out? Not only am I ready, I want you guys to picture my moves. It's a bit... Of Elaine meets Kristen Wiig. That'll be on your dancing podcast, remember? <laughs> yeah, and twist, one, two, and spin. So my we're digging this week is actually kind of an update to episode 48, where we were talking about all these kind of outdoor items we were contemplating getting uh, to sort of, you know, get ourselves and our kids outside more. And we have actually acquired two of them, and we are digging both of them. They're the best, with a third on the horizon. On the horizon. 
So the two items we actually have in our possession so far are both actually hammocks, or as our son would call them, picnics, because he's getting he the words mixed picnics. up. picnics. I want to get in the picnic. I like that we have two hammocks because we're like suddenly collectors of hammocks. Yeah, we're high rollers of hammocks. The first one actually, between the time of us recording the episode about wanting to get some hammocks and then actually it coming out, one of our friends gifted us one. And it's one of those, I guess, camping hammocks, they call them. They're like kind of those temporary ones made out of nylon that you just kind of like wrap around two trees. And I've seen people bring them like to the park or the playground or like down by the river. Yeah, when they're collapsed, they're like as big as a football. And I think they're really inexpensive. Are they like Yeah, I'm holding it right now in my hands. Maybe $10? No, no, no. This one on Amazon, I looked. It's by a company called Winner Outfitters. Like, you're a winner. It is $70, but it's for sale for like $27. It's like marked down 60%. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, there's no way they're $70 because no, like a no. big nice hammock is that. These are tiny. They look like a backpack. It's the size of like a small ham. <laughs> a small ham. But it unrolls and just has a couple straps to go around the tree. So it's really easy and fast to put up. So we put that one up first kind of as a test to see if like the kids actually liked being in one, if we liked being in one. Everyone liked it. The only negative was fights over both wanting to be in it or wanting their own turn. Well, and the only two trees that it fit between were in the front yard, and I didn't really want to leave it up in the front yard all the time. But luckily, it's easy to put down and up because it's this like, it's made to travel kind of as this lazy man's hammock that you could put up like on a camping trip and then bring it home. And I also like that it kind of like cocooned you a little bit. And so especially for the kids, like there's no way they're flipping out of that thing. I mean, don't test it, but they didn't. You'd have to try a bit hard. Like both kids would have to roll left really fast to like dump themselves out of it. So since that one was a hit, we went and got one of the more traditional hammocks that we had been planning on getting. It's like a fabric-based one, not the netting one. I think Sherry was talking in episode 48 about how we wanted one that didn't like hurt your back on the netting. This one we've hung more permanently in the backyard. It's kind of near the shed. We'll take a picture of it and put it in the show notes so you can see. Maybe I will model looking all relaxed and like I'm soaking in the sun. It's pretty nice. And the third thing is that we're thinking about getting one of those wood circle swings or bar swings. We're not sure if we're going to do, you know, the circle that you sit on with a rope coming through the center. Kind of you can swing in all directions. Like an old timey like rope with a plate on the bottom. Exactly. That you sit, you rest your buns on it. You don't just have to swing back and forwards in that. It sort of can go like tire swing style in sort of all directions. So I think that that is going to be the third thing to draw them out. And so far it is really working and nothing has been crazy expensive. Yeah, we'll put links to everything in the show notes so you guys can see what we're talking about. And what I'm digging this week is watching OK Go videos on YouTube. You know, the band OK Go? Yes, that sounded like OK Go videos is like some sort of new system. They're just a fun band that's very rock and roll to me. They sort of have an old style of making music videos that are not... Girls gyrating and grills. <laughs> right. They're they're like perfecting the art of music videos as something interesting to watch instead of like something sexy or something showboaty. And you guys probably know them most by that treadmill video that went viral years ago. Deeny, deedy, 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 Yeah, if you lost track of them, then they've been doing these kind of clever, high production videos ever since. Like they had a big Rube Goldberg machine in one of them. Yeah, they've trained dogs for one. They did one in an airplane that was sort of swooping around the sky. So they were catching zero gravity in the airplane and they were dancing, floating around in the air. But But why do we like them? The reason we like them is the kids are mesmerized, but they're also entertaining for adults. And now that we have the Roku, remember we cut the cable and we have this new system of watching TV. The Roku system makes it really easy to watch YouTube. So if it's the kid's bedtime in 10 minutes and they want to watch a show, instead of having to commit to 30-minute show and we want them to go off to sleep 
or say nothing at all, we can turn on the TV for a second and just watch like two fun videos before bed. And it's so easy to navigate YouTube on the big screen. And we've also been finding our way to lots of other videos that are sort of fun for adults and kids, like Pentatonics. They're this acapella group. There's this group called Walk Off the Earth that does something similar using like random objects to make music. And so it's interesting to discover this overlap. It's like the Venn diagram that you thought didn't overlap with what your kids like to watch on TV and what you like to watch on TV. And also this new concept of like, you don't have to commit to 30 minutes or an hour of TV. You can watch five or 10 minutes. Everyone's excited. Off to bed they go. Yeah. And if you guys have any other suggestions for YouTube channels that kids and adults might both enjoy, like whether it's music or cooking things, like we've been watching a lot of that girl, Ro, who does nerdy nummies. They're like, uh, where she bakes cupcakes and cakes and lollipops that are in cartoon characters and such. Hey everyone, it's nerdy nummies. Tell me if that sounded like her or anyone who listens. Comment down below. This is a terrible impression. This is why we're not on YouTube very much. Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. And happy belated Father's Day to all the dads out there. You must be referring to the 2.4% of guys who responded to our listener survey. (laughs) That's like more than double than the 1% we used to have. Well, and I should add that nearly 90% of you guys said you listened with a spouse or partner. So there's got to be some extra dude ears out there somewhere. Yeah, like Colin Proctor, who said in our survey that he listens to our podcast while he's welding at his job as a machinist. That is awesome. And don't forget to check out younghouselove.com slash podcast for all the bonus links, photos, and info from this episode, like a sneak peek of our beach house kitchen design. And that embarrassing photo of my globe painting mishap. Later. Bye. Jazz hands. A little tap shuffle. <laughs> Quick ball change. Is that what it is? Tap ball change. I have no change. idea. Tap ball change. No, I don't think it's tap ball change. It's something ball change because it's the ball of your foot. Clearly we're dancing yeah. experts.